Well, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We have a great guest today, Keith Nestor. Keith, so excited to chat with you. Uh, for those that don't know Keith, he is a former pastor slash youth pastor with more than 20 years in full-time ministry. Keith served in United Methodist, Assemblies of God, and Evangelical Free Churches in various roles. But in 2017, after a 20-year-long discernment process, Keith resigned his full-time ministry position and joined the Catholic Church. In October of 2018, Keith felt the call of God to write a book about what life is like for converts in their first year. The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church, is a down-to-earth, realistic look at the transitions, obstacles, joys, and challenges converts face in their first year in the church. As the executive director of Down-to-Earth Ministries, Keith continues to use his preaching gifts to speak to audiences about faith, theology, and his journey to Catholicism. Keith also creates content on YouTube and his podcast, Catholic Feedback. In his spare time, Keith loves to ride his Harley, spend time with his family and friends. Keith and his wife, Estelle, have three adult children and live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And you can visit his site at down to, that's the number two, down to earthministry.org. Welcome, Keith. Thanks for making time. Thank you for having me, Justin. It's good to be with you. I'm so excited to chat with you about your journey. You know, I spent a good amount of time around Protestants in college. Um, I can only imagine what that transition was like for you, but... Um, if you don't mind, maybe we could start with that uh, journey into the church. That's kind of where all your ministry now in the church stems from. You were on Journey Home last year on EWTN. Yeah. Very, very cool. So um, would you mind just sharing us maybe uh, some of your story? How'd you find your way home to Rome? Well, it's pretty, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a crazy story of how, you know, someone like me, who the last thing I ever would have thought that I would become is Catholic. I mean, I, I grew up in the home of a Methodist pastor. So my dad, my dad always, you know, showed us faith. And so I can't really remember a time in my life when I didn't have some sort of understanding or faith, but the Catholic church was not something I had any connection to at all. It was not something that meant anything to me. And so anything I knew about Catholicism came from, you know, typically like the non-Catholic sources who would say, all right, here are the groups in Christianity that we have to be weary of, you know, and, and oftentimes like Catholicism would be roped in with like Mormonism, Jehovah Witness or some other kind of fringe group. I never in a million years thought that it was something I needed to take seriously. And I was very into contemporary worship. I loved the Bible. I loved, you know, the idea that your Christian faith was this personal thing between you and God. And you you have the Bible, which is your your roadmap for faith and for life and and your job as a believer is to read the Bible, understand what it says. And with the Holy Spirit, you can figure that out and live the Christian faith. And when I looked at Catholicism, what I saw was people who didn't really have that personal element to their faith. They were going through this ritualistic religious experience that to me just seemed so foreign to anything I saw in the Bible. So, for, you know, when I first found someone who was catholic who had an on fire faith in jesus that's really what began to open my eyes to the church and and that came through um a a man that i that i met when i was looking for a logo for my youth ministry so i was a youth pastor and our youth group was starting to grow and i found this guy in the yellow pages who was a he was a designer yeah and i called him and, and we talked and he sounded like he was excited about the Lord and he invited me over to his house and we were talking and he was showing me some designs. And when I got to his house, I noticed he had all this Catholic stuff everywhere, icons and statues and everything. And I was, I was a little bit 
I don't know, just intrigued by that. And we started talking and it was clear to me that he had a faith in Christ, mm -hmm. but I didn't see that. So I just asked him, I said, Hey, I don't understand all of this. You sound like you love Jesus, but you're Catholic. And he's yeah. like, yeah, and he just laughed. So that, <laughs> that relationship, you know, turned into a person, not only who would answer some of my questions and help me understand the reality of what the Catholic church teaches, but also would begin to challenge me as a Protestant on my own beliefs, which no one had ever done that before. And so that, that was how I got introduced to Catholicism. And through that relationship, um, you know, that's when I started, he, he would expose me to different Catholic apologists, to a lot of different material, things about the church fathers. And we would just kind of pound it out. I was trying to convert him. He was trying to convert me. And long story short, after many, many years, you know, he won. Oh, that is awesome. Well, yeah, I've got a friend. Um, he actually kind of reintroduced me to Jesus, but he was evangelical. He was, I'm sorry, a Reformed Southern Baptist, what he told me that he was. And our first time getting coffee after that conversation where he told me I needed God in my life, he said, I hate the Catholic Church. Um, so we've been having a friendship for about, let's see how many years now, 13 years. But um, yeah, it's gone cold, the line. No one's won anyone over. But I think we were trying to do the same thing, convert each other for a while. Yeah. Yeah, which when you're, you know, we were young at the time. I mean, this was like, this was like, you know, 20-ish years ago. So when you're kind of young and brash in your theology and you're convinced that it, that you believe the truth about everything, it, it, it can sometimes become problematic. Now, we were both able, for the most part, to, we could just like have these knockdown, drag out theological arguments. The gloves were off, but yet we still respected each other and could be good friends. But it, what it really helped me to do was, you know, it challenged me, which... I think that was healthy for me because when you're part of a ministry, especially a, one that's that's growing and kind of successful, like my youth ministry was, there's very few people that really can challenge you unless you surround yourself in that crew. And this is before social media. So yeah. there wasn't Twitter and Facebook and all of those types of things. There was no Put YouTube. Out there. So it was really just anything that, that I was going to have asked me about, it had to happen within a personal relationship. And that's that's what we began to do. And, and it was funny because I came into that conversation with all of these ideas about Catholicism that were just were wrong and nothing that's like unusual. It's just kind of the basic stock Protestant misconceptions. You know, the Catholics worship Mary, the Catholic, that, that we think the Pope is, is perfect in every way. Well, we think that you have to earn your salvation. We think the Catholic church took, you know, added books to the Bible and all, you know, all of the normal things that a lot of, evangelical protestants will think about catholicism that's just sort of the the narrative and when we start talking i started to see how those things weren't really accurate but it took a while for me to be able to see how the things that church did teach were true because the, the biggest thing for me justin was i had to i had to really deconstruct my whole understanding of of how we know what the christian faith is based on not like based on a theological conviction but just based on reality right based on objective truth how do we know what christianity really even is whether you're a christian or not if you're going to have a, a rational conversation about the faith you need to know that answer and for 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 most of my life i felt like the answer to that was well um jesus came and he set the world free from religion and gave us, you know, he died for our sins. And then he, you know, gave us the scriptures, which were to take and learn from and figure out what they mean. 
and that's pretty simplistic the way I'm saying it, but mm -hmm. it what it what it doesn't account for is really any understanding of the church, okay, from a standpoint of this really integral part of God's plan for the world. And I always wrestled with that, Justin. Like, what does it mean? What does the church mean? And in a lot of Protestant worlds, church, you know, they call a little C church, you know, and what that means is this invisible body of believers that exists, but nobody really knows who's a part of it. And there's yeah. no visible structure. There's no visible head. It's just, if you're part it's of- It's like the, the real church, right? We don't know who's in or who's out. We exactly. We don't know who the real Christians are. We can kind of sense it. We're like, I, I think that's a real one. You know, we're like our own pope, our own judges of who's who's in schism or not, who's really in the fold. Yeah. And and what I, what I recognized was, you know, that's problematic on a lot of different levels because first of all, if we can't, like, how do we make that definition? Because not everybody agrees. I mean, even within Protestantism, there are, there are, um, you know, Reformed Baptists who don't think that um, Anglicans are part of the true church. There are Calvinists, you know, who don't think that Armenians are part of the church. There are uh -huh. fundamentalist King James only so Baptists that don't that, think that Calvinists are part of the I mean, <laughs> there, there's all of these different yeah. standards and opinions on what constitutes the real truth right. and the real church. And I started, you know, through this understanding of like seeing how the church fathers and, and the early Christians talked about the church and then seeing that in the scripture, you know, because when you, when you read the scripture through the lens of, of, you know, whatever your background is, you are going to miss things that you don't see unless somebody challenges you with them. And yeah. that can be true for anybody, but when that started happening to me within within the context of Catholicism, and I began to understand, okay, wait a second. There's scripture that talks about Jesus founding an actual church with a person as the head. Mm -hmm. There's scripture that talks about the church resolving conflicts between believers. There's mm -hmm. the apostle Paul talking about the church as the as the foundation and pillar of truth. Mm -hmm. And that didn't really line up with the way I was experiencing church. So once I began to really rebuild this framework one of the shifts that took place in my own in my own mind in my ministry was i went from this understanding that our job as people in ministry trying to, to reach the world for christ you know i used to think that our job was to take the gospel and repackage that and communicate that to the culture in a way they can understand which there's nothing wrong with that from a philosophical standpoint but what what I would see happening was, and this is where it really came down to me in my own denomination, was I could see what was happening was we weren't just repackaging the gospel. We were rewriting it. We were taking parts out, adding things. We were changing things to make it more palatable to the culture, not just better yep. understood. It's like but repackaging God so that exactly. they consume God. It's like McDonald's Christianity a little bit. 100%. Yeah. And, and, I, and I remember reading the text in Jude, in Jude chapter 1 where it says the, the faith— has been delivered to the saints. You know, we our job. What I what I was becoming to realize, and I can see this in Catholicism, and I couldn't see it anywhere else. This and this was this was huge for me, Justin. I could see that in Catholicism, the goal was not to repackage the faith. The goal was to preserve and protect and teach the faith. So, you know, you can start to see how that makes more sense in the context of Catholicism, which is sometimes mm -hmm. people use that as a knock against it. Yeah. Oh, the Catholic Church is backwards. The Catholic mm -hmm. Church is too traditional. The Catholic Church is too stuck in the past. 
Well, I was seeing the ramifications of what happens when you're not grounded in the historic Christianity right. and you're just making it up as you go along. That was happening all yeah. around me. Oh my and gosh. that caused me to dig deeper into the, into the ancient faith. And I was like, okay, is anybody else even trying to do this? Like really <laughs> trying to <laughs> teach the faith of our fathers and preserve the, I mean, and you can make the case for the Orthodox church, but and mm -hmm. I mean, that's a different conversation, but like mm -hmm. this was what I was seeing. And as, so as my Protestant world was sort of crumbling around me because I, I could see so much, compromise and <clears throat> innovation in a bad way and just lack of of groundedness when i remember there was one day in particular that it really hit me i went to a daily mass and i, I had started thinking about because all because so like 20 years ago you know me and my buddy we had these conversations then i i kind of ran away from it because it was freaking me out too much so then you know about 10 years go by and all this stuff's happening around me and i start to kind of re-engage with this conversation about Catholicism, a, a lot older and, and a lot more, you know, um, seasoned in life. And I went to this daily mass and I was really just kind of torn up about what was going on. And as the processional was coming in, Justin, the, the deacon was holding up the big red gospel, right? The scripture. And as he was showing that to all of us, like, I know that for a lot of Catholics, they don't even think twice we, about we that. We take that for granted. We take that motion for granted, but everything in the liturgy has a purpose. Well, that hit me like a ton of bricks because what I saw in that moment was like, this is our book. This is important. And we are here to communicate the truth of the faith. And this is, this is, this mm -hmm. is it. That that meant a lot to me. Now I know that you know you get some King James people to be like, well, you know, blah blah blah, this blah blah. But for, I'm just telling you how that impacted me, right? And I, I like as I dug in even more, I could just see it everywhere, and it got to a point where I had to come face to face with this reality of what was I going to do? You know, I mean, I had three kids who were teenagers. I have a wife. I have you know my career, twenty some years of doing ministry, and. That was the hard part, you know, was like, okay, well, what's this actually going to look like in my life? I got to a point where all of my, you know, uh, objections or whatever were answered. Um, mm -hmm. That took a while, but it did happen. And then mm -hmm. it was a question of, okay, if I know this is true, I know, yeah. Then what does it mean for me to follow God into the church? And mm -hmm. that was a little bit tougher, mm -hmm. but it was something that I couldn't run away from anymore. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Sure. I, I, I could go so many directions with that conversation, but I guess uh, my overriding question is, you know, you were a well-studied guy. You knew your faith very well. How do you think it is? And even there's so many apologetics books there, you know, there's so many things on the internet. How was it that you were holding all these preconceived notions about Catholicism? How is that still such a reality among non-Catholics? These, because we still see videos coming out like, five false teachings or five, yeah. you know, counters about Mary. It's like, how is that still going? Why do you think that is that um, that's still something we're battling against, even though the information keeps getting out there in new and new ways over and well, over? Well, that's a good question. I mean, and there's probably a lot of answers to that. I would say primarily it has to do with how much people want to learn because the answers are there and they've always been there if you really cared enough to look into them. But I think so many people don't mm -hmm. look to study the Catholic faith because they want to learn the truth about it. They look yeah. to study just enough so that they can either reject it, reject it or justify themselves right. in where they are. So there isn't like this, this um, 
you know, sincere desire to learn about. Now, I'm not saying that's for, true for everybody. Some people have mm -hmm. that desire. Right. And I think it's getting easier because of, you know, the internet and because of technology. It, it's yeah. way easier now mm -hmm. to learn about the church than it was 20 years ago. I mean, when I first started learning about this stuff, everything that I had had to be printed out and, you know, downloaded and, and whatever. I mean, it was, it was a little bit more challenging. I mean, it was still mm -hmm. available. Mm -hmm. But now you're just a click away from having every question you want answered about the Catholic faith answered, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why we're here. But yeah, I think ultimately it's a person's motivation to say, what do I really want to know about this? And I mean, to be fair, that's probably true about a lot of things. Right. You know, I, I right. haven't done a deep dive into like, let's say jehovah's witness okay right, i know right. enough about it i've read enough things about it to know that that's not my jam you know to, to, yeah. to reject that but i haven't yeah. like studied the founders of that you know i mean right and i'm not saying it's apples to apples but i'm just saying like i wouldn't consider myself an expert on that mm -hmm. um so when i have conversations with jehovah's witness i let them tell me what they believe and then i then i interact with them based on that not, not i don't go well i know that's what you're saying but actually your church does this like it drives me crazy when when you know yeah, anti-Catholic people try to tell me what the Catholic Church teaches, or tell me that I'm doing this or that I'm doing that, you know, I'm like, look, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think, I mean, I guess to answer your question, a lot of different reasons, but I think it all goes down to the heart of what is your desire? Do you really want to learn, mm -hmm. or do you just want to justify yourself? Yeah. So on that note of you know, or like protect yourself, your world that you have, because I know for Catholics come home. There are Protestant pastors who get convinced, like, I know Rome is the way to go, but then yeah. they can't let go. It's almost like the rich, the, the young rich man, right? He can't let go of that life. And that's not a position I've had to be in because I grew up Catholic. But what was that like for you when you knew in your heart and in your mind, this is the way to go? What was that process like of like oh. leaving behind that and now entering into the church with like nothing, like empty hands, right? And like a new beginning. Well, it was, it was interesting because I, you know, all those years ago when I was first exploring Catholicism, I did have a moment a couple years into it where I really felt like God was calling me to become Catholic, but I was too afraid to do it. So I said, no, I said, I'm not doing this. And I, I basically clung to any remaining doubt that I had about the church and, and said, I'm not doing this. And it really wasn't because I wasn't, I wasn't convinced that the Catholic church was true. I felt that it was, I was just too afraid. You know, I was afraid of what it would cost me and I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the idea. And this is where a lot of guys, especially in ministry, get hung up. We, we, we view our identity in terms of our ministry. We go, well, why would God want me to not do ministry anymore? It doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm in, I'm in this ministry role. I was, ha I had these kids in my youth ministry. I was doing things in churches all the time. Like, why would God, so for me to become Catholic, I can't mm -hmm. do God's will. Yeah. And we can sort of just. I'm the man. That. God needs me to be that. Exactly. Like, what's that, he going to do without me in that role? <laughs> that, and that is really like where I was. It happens to. I mean, well, yeah, then we fast forward that. many years later, and I, you know, I'd had some things happen in my own life that sort of shattered that reality anyway about my own level of importance in terms of what I was doing. Um, and when this when this cropped up again years later. I, I came to a different place, Justin. I came to a place where I wasn't afraid of what obedience was going to cost me. I was afraid of what disobedience was going to cost me. 
Okay. Sin of omission. That's a good Catholic term, right? Forgive us. Yeah. I didn't didn't really think about it. I wasn't really even thinking about it in terms of the context of sin. Okay. I wasn't framing it in sin, whatever. I was framing it in terms of this beautiful thing that God was calling me into. Mm -hmm. And if I said no to that, I wasn't like, well, I'll go to hell. I was like, if I say no to this, what am I going to miss out on? Because why has this thing been in my life for so many years? Why am I so drawn to it? Why am I being brought into this? Why, why are all these things happening to me? Clearly, God is on the other side of something saying, Keith, come, come, come into this. And I've got something yeah. more incredible for you than you can ever possibly imagine. So I don't look at it in terms yeah. of like, you know, do this or else. I look at right. it more in terms of God was inviting me to the banquet. You know, I love that imagery that Jesus uses. You're invited to the banquet and you can decide whether you're going to go or not. And I was more afraid of what I would miss out on in the banquet if I didn't go than what was going to happen if I stayed on the outside. So for me, I had this really, but it was it was still hard, you know, but I had this really amazing experience one night. I went to this mass and I, I had been wrestling with the idea of, what is, how do I do this? What's the way to convert for somebody like me? And there's got to be a way, you know, I remember my dad had told me that you can't just quit your job and become captain. There's got to be a way. And I, I went to this mass. It was right before um, a Catholic apologist named Steve Ray was going to give a talk. Um, and I had, you know, I'd known who Steve was and, and had felt very drawn to go to this thing, even though it was, it's kind of a whole nother story. But I went to this mass and I was praying right after I went up and got my blessing and, I, and then people are taking the Eucharist and I'm there. And I'm, I'm looking up at the crucifix. I just pray. I said, Lord, if you want me to become Catholic, I'm ready to do it. But you've got to make a way. You know, I, I need to know how this works. What is somebody like me? I think I was like 43 years old. Like I have a, you know, all of this stuff. What, what's the way? And I really just felt the Lord speak to me from that crucifix. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need me to make a way. You just need me. And that like hit me like a ton of bricks because what I realized was if we're pursuing Jesus, then that's all that matters. But if we're pursuing all this other stuff and Jesus is just like part of that or a means to an end, then that's not really authentic Christianity, Justin. And what a lot of people do when they're in this spot, because I talk to people like this all the time, is they feel called to the faith, but... They're only willing to do it if everything sort of like works out. Everything else works out. And yeah, it's going to be okay. got to come with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And what I, what I tell people all the time is, look, it doesn't work that way. Look at, the, look at the faith of the saints. Look at the lives of the apostles. I mean, people who really follow Jesus intimately and passionately, they follow Jesus and whatever happens, happens, you know? And I tell guys this all the time, and and I think it's helped some people come into the church, and it's probably caused some people not to come into the church. You know, that's up to them ultimately. But what I tell people is this, look, if you're feeling called to become Catholic and you have all of these lingering fears of what you might lose, take the loss, right? As St. Paul says, count all things as loss, okay? Be willing to, to, to think of the worst case scenario in your life. Yes, you're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose all these things and do it anyway. If you're, if you're not willing to do it, even if all those bad things happen, then, then you're not in the right space because following Christ 
requires that. I mean, Jesus says, you got to be willing to take up your cross daily and follow me. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Everything else will be added unto you. And that's easy to preach about. It's mm -hmm. easy to talk about. It's easy to tell mm -hmm. other people to do. Right. But when it's you and your life, it's, yeah. it's not so easy. And so I don't judge anybody for what they do with that. Yeah. But I do tell people, look, you can't have any strings attached. You have to be willing to detach from this world and follow Jesus. And, you know, that happened to me that night. And I, and I remember telling my friend who was with me, I said, I'm doing this. And yeah. I don't know wow. what's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to do. I went home that night wow. and I told my wife, I said, look, she knew I was kind of in this, in this, this uh, spot with it, you know? Yeah. And I told her, I said, look, here's the deal. I have to do this. Oh, wow. And I said, I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm not telling the kids what they have to do, but I know I have to do this. I don't know what's going to happen to our family, but oh, I will man. do whatever I have to do to take care of us. Yeah. If that means I work at Walmart, okay. <laughs> what, what, whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it takes, I, I'm willing to do it because I, I believe this is the truth and I want Jesus and I want him in the fullness of the faith. I want mm -hmm. him, I want him in the Eucharist. I want him in the sacraments. I want to be in the church he started and whatever it takes. And she said to me, you know, my, my wife's story is a whole different deal. She was like, well, you know, I'm not really on board with this, but you know, if this is what you feel like the Lord's calling you to do, then I support you in this. And so the next day I went in and I sat down with my good friend who was also my senior pastor at our, at our church that I'd worked at for six years. And, you know, I told him, I said, look, this is what I got to do. And my last Sunday at that church where I had been for over six years was the day we put shovels in the ground and had a big groundbreaking ceremony for our new $10 million facility we were building on the outside of town that we'd been raising money for for years. I helped design it. You know, it was a big part of that. And I literally went from that, the newest church was, wasn't even built yet, to the oldest church. Like literally the church I attend is the oldest church the, in our city. The irony of God like shows up in our lives when we follow him. The like the humor of God, even the irony. Yeah. So Crazy. that's that's kind of like the internal situation I was in. Now externally, I you know, basically, you know, I, I quit my job at the church. That was accounted for probably about 70% of our family income. My wife was a um professional photographer and we had our own studio that she had worked really hard at. And I, I kind of, that was sort of my side hustle um, while I was in ministry for the last few years. So I just sort of like rolled into doing that full time. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just make photography my full time gig. And so we threw ourselves into that and, you know, it was rough, but we, you know, we had everything that we needed materially and, you know, God took care of us through that. And that, that first year, especially of being in the church, I just was so grateful and thankful. And just, I just had this amazing sense of I'm home and, you know, you know, wherever, wherever home is for you, I don't care where you've been in your life. You know, if, if home, maybe, maybe you live in a $2 million mansion, but your parents raised you in a you know, a trailer, when you go home, you just feel good. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And that's what it felt like coming into the Catholic faith for me. You know, I was just like, oh, this is new and different. And I don't understand what's going on with some of these things. And, you know, there, there are things about it that are tough, but I just was so grateful and thankful to be a part of it and still am.
That is just what an awesome journey. Well, I know folks want to hear more. You've got so many great videos on your YouTube channel. So God certainly did call you into uh, something great on the other side, uh, down to earth, your teaching ministry. So um, it's very evident to me hearing your story, but why do you think teaching is so important in the faith? Why is that such a need and how does your ministry help fulfill that need? Well, yeah. So I, I basically, so everything I'm doing in ministry is 100% things that I didn't plan to do. Okay. I never, I never set out to say, Hey, I'm going to try to figure out how to turn my conversion of Catholicism into like a ministry. I never wanted to do that. I, that was not on my radar. Um, I was perfectly content working in my studio, doing photography. I loved it. And what happened was I, you know, my priest told me, he said, Keith, just take, take a year and be Catholic. Don't do anything like don't give talks. Don't do anything. You know? And, and I was hundred percent okay with that because again, Justin, like when I gave that up, that part of my life up, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Well, uh, after the first year went by, you know, I had done a couple little things for some friends in their parishes, but after the first year went by, my priest came to me and said, okay, Keith, I think it's time for you to tell your story to our church. <laughs> wow. And I said, I said, okay, wow. I'm happy to do that. But it was never wow. like in the context of I'm starting a ministry. Okay. It was, I'm going to go work. And when I get done with like a 10 hour workday, then I'll stop by the church and share my, 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 uh, conversion story, which is basically what happened. And there were like hundreds of people there and somebody recorded it and sent me the file and I put it on YouTube. And then it kind of just Wow. Took off from there. And, and wow. And so like I didn't I didn't plan that. I had no strategy. You know, I ended up writing this book, but that was again, that was like on the down low. I did it myself. I didn't get a publisher or anything like that. I was just a dude just doing this. Well, when when I sort of began to talk about this, people start reaching out to me all the time with questions with you know, Protestants and Catholics. Okay, why why did you do this? What about this? What about that? And I I just was like, look. I'm going to share my experience and my perspective with people, recognizing that it's not, you know, the be all end all, but there are a lot of things that people can, can, uh, can learn and grow in. So we started this, this ministry called down to earth, which comes from John chapter six, verse 38, where Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven to earth, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me basically what it says. And I thought, cause people always tell me, Oh, the way you talk is down to earth. So it's kind of this incarnational thing. But when I talk about a teaching ministry, that's that's distinct from like a, um, you know, a um, missional ministry where it's like, hey, we're going to get together and, you know, feed kids lunches. Or it's different from like a prayer ministry, which is funny because that's what I do a lot now. So the idea of a teaching ministry is sort of using my my experience and my gifts for preaching to help share the truth with people. And in an attempt to, and this is really what I feel my ministry is about, to help people who are on that journey or interested in Catholicism. I don't consider myself an apologist. That's not how I talk about myself. Um, I'm not out there doing debates. I'm not trying to to go after Protestants and make them Catholic, although that's fine. Um, what I feel more called to do is to help people who have said, hey, I'm really interested in Catholicism. Tell me more about it. Or, and... I'm really wanting to make that that conversion. What do I need to do? What's it like? How do I do that? The the um kind of the collateral benefit of that has been a lot of cradle Catholics have found a lot of of help in that because 
you know, we break things down pretty basic, but we don't dumb it down. So there's a difference between dumbing things down where there's like nothing there and then just breaking it down and connecting it. But it's also done with a with a with a mindset that respects the person that's not just like, okay, I'm gonna talk to you like you're four. But I'm also not gonna assume that you know what all these words mean and how what the church means by these concepts. So I'm gonna explain things to you um as if I was teaching this to you and I and you don't know what it means, but you're also an intelligent human being that's trying to learn and grow. Yeah, that is such a, and that's definitely the, I mean, as I've watched your videos and um, even hear your talk today is real authentic, which is so helpful this day and age. Um, as you've ventured off into ministry in the church, I know ministry in the Catholic church can sometimes be very different than ministry in the Protestant church. What have some, what Whoa. have been some lessons learned about ministry within the Catholic church? Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you, there, there, there are a lot of differences, and some of those differences are are good, and some of them are bad. I think, I think some of the good differences are you can always find the right answer. Okay, so you're not sort of out there in left field, like creating these ideas about things that aren't grounded in something. Whereas, like in Protestantism, you can come up with all sorts of crazy stuff, and it's just kind of out there. And nobody can really say, well, no one to vet you. No one to tell no you. One to like, vet you. Hey, there's no one to vet you. Look at our statement of beliefs on our website. It violates, it's like, yeah, because you can, it's like two pages as opposed to the catechism, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you can, you can say, well, this is how I understand the scripture and this is what it means to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And if, if you don't like it, I can just go to a different, different group, you know, or whatever. So, that, so the fact that we have a catechism, we have a, we have a defined, statement of faith we have the deposit of faith that's a good thing right um so to me that's the that's the biggest benefit is i'm not i'm not on the hook for trying to help people figure out the right theology our job isn't to figure out the right theology our job is to to teach the faith that's been revealed to the church which is the root word of catechism right it comes from Boom. a word that means echo we just echo that's all we're here to do and that's yeah. humbling right and sometimes we want it to be about us how cool we are our neat strategy but Pope yeah. Benedict had a great quote that what's needed in every age is not management, it's sanctity. We just Amen. need to be holy and be Jesus and share Jesus. And that's it. So that really, like John, like um John the Baptist said, he must become greater, we must become less. It's all about him at the end. And that's the realization as we walk in Christ in the Christian faith, right? It's not about us. It's not about it, us. It's amen. About and that's us. that's one of the most humbling things about being a Catholic, Justin, is is you recognize that the beliefs that you have didn't originate in your own brain. And you didn't like create this stuff out of thin air. And and if even when you find in times, and I think you will if you're honest, that you're going to find times where you have some tension in terms of how you think about something versus what the church teaches. That's okay, but you recognize that truth doesn't change yeah. based on my perspective or based on my where I'm at. You know, yeah, at this particular moment, it's 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 a it's an objective reality. Mm -hmm. So it's an incredible benefit to be able to say. Hey, here's the catechism. So to me, the catechism is everything. It's like, okay, what do we yeah. think about this? Well, let's see what the catechism says. That's so the, yeah. the question that I, the way I answer a lot of questions to people is more along the lines of, well, what does the church teach about this? Not 
Well, what well, does the Bible say? Which is kind of a that's kind of a nuance, okay? Yeah, right. Be because the two are very closely related, but it's dangerous if the only world you live in is well, what does the Bible say about this? Because everybody oh. can twist that. It's a completely different yes. thing to say what does the church teach about this? Because that inherently means yeah. what the Bible says about it. Okay, right. so that's a good thing. I'll tell you the I'll tell you the bad thing or one bad thing that's hard. But I guess. if I could add one thing, Keith, oh, sure. that, take, that takes the pressure off of us, though, because 100%. if we have to be creative and be so smart all the time, we're going to fail. But we can just rest on the tradition of the church. Ab you know? Absolutely. And, and that's me, our rock that's... and rest in the arms of Mary and pray, you know, and Beautiful. like takes care of it. Oh, sorry, and, what are you going to say? That that's OK. So... Rest is a good word, because when you're out there trying to create your own systematic theology or figure this out or whatever, or buy into somebody else's systematic theology based on their ideas. Exhausting. It's very tiring. Yeah, it's very exhausting. Can't do it. And not meant when to you, do it. When you come into the church, it's like you can rest. So, okay. So, so that's the good difference. Here's the bad difference. The bad difference is there is oftentimes a big disconnect between what the Catholic church teaches officially and the beauty and the, um, you know, the awe of Catholicism between like my local parish, you know, and I don't yeah, mean my local parish, day. my local the parish is great, day. but yeah. there's so many people I talk to that are like, like, here's a great example. They're so excited. They learned about Catholicism. They're ready to do it. They're fired up. They're like, oh, I'm coming home. I'm excited. Then they, they want to join and they reach out to a local church, a local parish, and they don't hear anything back. Yep. It, it, it happens all the time. It does. And it's really a shame. You know, I have a background. I spent time in the business world, have an MBA, but we're really bad a lot of times at customer service. That's simple. Like just answering the call, being courteous and getting them to the right person. People have to fight to get in the church sometimes. And if they're not as convinced as someone like you was, they're just going to throw their hands up and say, oh, this can't be the church Jesus found. It, it's it happens a lot. Interactions. I I mean, and, and I guess it's a variety of that stuff too, but sometimes people are like, oh, I've learned about this unifying worship experience that's so focused on Christ and it doesn't always translate to their, their local parish experience. And also sometimes another thing that's difficult for people coming in that are new in Protestantism, you know, some of it, and I recognize that, you know, Protestantism is very diverse and varied, but especially like if you're in like the evangelical world, there is a very strong emphasis placed on community, placed on relationships, placed on doing life together, that kind of language. And in Catholicism, that isn't always there, depending on where you are. And sometimes people can come into the church and feel like, hey, I've, I've discovered this. I want to be a part of this. And they can show up to a local parish and no one will talk to them. No one will reach out to them. And maybe the mass isn't done like with excellence and the music is crappy and the homily is awful. And they're feeling like this is not what I've been reading about. This is not what I've been studying. So that disconnect that occurs between what Catholicism should be and what it is experienced in people's everyday, um, you know, experience in 21st century North American Catholicism at the local parish level. Sometimes that's a big disconnect. And I know that not every church is the same. And I know there are awesome Catholic parishes out there too. Like I said, I attend one that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's a hard thing. I'm always having to talk people off the ledge, Justin, when 
they've started like going, okay, I want to do this. And then they start attending mass. And then they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. This isn't what I expected. You know, why is mm -hmm. it like this? Why is it like that? Why don't mm -hmm. these people care? You know, why, why doesn't, why doesn't anybody talk about the gospel? I didn't talk about G, you know? Oof. So that's, I yeah. would say the toughest part. Oh man. Yeah. I can, I hear you on that brother, but you know, thank you so much for walking all those folks off the ledge, helping bring many home with you. So, uh, I know one of the things you also do is you you do go out to speak at places. Um, so you've got some coming up in 2022. So folks listening, if they wanted to invite you to their parish or their diocese, what can they expect to hear from you? Um, I know we got a little taste today, but what 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 would you uh, bring to uh, to those events, and what kind of things would you would you talk about? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's really of all the stuff I do, that's my favorite thing to do. Um, and you know, I have on my website kind of a list of like a few different talks that I that I that I have given to people, but I also will create things depending on what someone is, is looking for. So what, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to connect the eternal truths, of the Catholic faith, to your everyday life. Like that's what, that's my mission is to, is to try to, if you're a cradle Catholic, I want you on fire for your faith. Down to earth. I, want, I want you to be more excited about Jesus than you've ever been. And I want you to like figure out how that centers your life on the gospel and if you're somebody who's who's thinks that Catholics don't really know the Bible or love God or whatever, I'm going to blow that up. You know, I want to I want to show you that that's completely wrong. And if you're trying to find a way into the Catholic Church, I want to help show you the beauty of it in a way that is going to overcome those challenges that you're going to face. Yeah, I love the picture you have of you where you look at the guy's chaos right from the insurance commercials because you oh, kind of look like him, but you're ready to go into all that. Like you're ready to go into the, the the real conversations and questions people have. Cause I think that's another barrier to entry for folks is we don't talk about what's really going on. And also I'll give you an example of something that a time that I was kind of discouraged in my walk um, in the Catholic church was it was right around when the Supreme court legalized gay marriage. And I thought, mm. this is crazy. This is such a big deal. I, I really need something. Like I need the priest at the parish. I was at, I need him to say something this week. He talked about it in such a roundabout way that I had to like kind of guess he was kind of referring to it. But man, that weekend, I needed something. Yeah. You know, I needed something. So we got to get real and messy because that's what Christ did. We got to talk about what's going on in our lives and be real. So thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that to the faith. I know I'm going to be passing on your information to our, our men's conference team in the area. I think you'd be oh, great. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about, about that because... I mean, that's really what I love to do the most. And it's, it's funny because I told you, you know, our, our photography business and stuff, we sold it last year. Um, basically, we shut it down. And sold we sold your foot. Wow. We did. We did. And, and what awesome. we did was, it was kind of crazy, but we, we sold our building and we took the money, which was supposed to be for retirement, you know, and we bought an RV with it. And so That's now awesome. when I get when I get to speak instead your of your wife is a cool lady, man. Oh, she's, my wife's she's amazing. up for the, the adventure. She reminds me of my wife because you know, so my favorite um image in the scriptures is well, I love John 10. John 10, 27, 20 is my favorite verses. But um, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I learned that the NIV translation, because I was hanging around Protestants at the time who do they're big on memorizing scripture. But you know what I love is the image of the sheepdogs that nip at the sheep's ankles to get back in the fold. I'm like, that's oh, yeah. my wife and I. And it sounds like you you and your wife do. You're out there together as a team doing this. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So what we what we decided to do was 
we, um, you know, when I get a speaking opportunity, typically, not every time, instead of flying, we will drive the RV. You've just given me an idea. Yeah, we will. We have so we have this network of people all across the country that we pray the rosary with every day on YouTube, and. When we're traveling, we stop in a different city every day, and we have people that come and meet us, and then we live stream the prayer together. So we're meeting all wow. these people that we're How connected with. How much cooler with. is that than like? Because you were worried about like maybe what's on the other side. How amazing is that adventure? Oh, you know? it's it, it is incredible. You know, it's funny. Like I had a thing this summer where we were we were in Pennsylvania doing a conference, and we were staying at this incredible place in our RV, and. I mean, part of it is when I travel, you know, that allows me to be really autonomous and not to put a lot of, of burden on a host or anything like that. I could just be like, hey, we're coming through. We sleep in Walmart parking lots, Cracker Barrel parking lots. We sleep church parking lot, wherever, you know, and we were sleeping in this RV and we were walking around this property after everybody had gone home for the night and we had just had this incredible time. And I said to my wife, I said, look at what we're doing. <clears throat> this, this is so amazing. And I said to her, yeah. I said, nobody will ever be able to convince me that this wasn't a God thing. When you look at where we're at right God now is, in our lives with, God you know, so it was good. almost like God was, and this, again, this goes back to my invitation into the church from the Lord. It's like, he was saying, look, just trust me. What I have for you is so much better than what you could ever do on your own, but you've got to let go of that and walk the road. Will it be easy? No. You know, there's a lot of things we don't have now that we used to have. You know, there's a lot of sacrifice, but I don't even care, man. Like, I, I am so much more fulfilled in, in what we're doing right now, even though there are some challenges, because I, I know in my heart that this was a, that this was a, a God thing. And it's been it's been incredible. So that's that's what we do. We travel around the RV like tonight. We are going to be driving a couple hours to meet a guy from Florida who drove all the way up here to meet us. And we're meeting him wow. to pray the rosary, you know, and, and, and like, so awesome. we're going to take the entire month of February and travel the Southeast For part Mary? of the country. Um, because I've got a conference I'm doing in North Carolina oh, okay. in March. Okay. So I'm doing one in, in Indiana wow. in January and then we're hitting the road. And then I got, so like, this is the adventure of a lifetime, man. And I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. I don't like, I don't have it yeah. all figured out. We're just flying by the seat of our pants here with the Lord, Ooh. but it's, it's amazing. So like for me, whenever I get the opportunity to travel and speak, you yeah. know, that's, that's really what helps us do what we do. I mean, Absolutely. that's like, you know, that's, that's the resource that allows us to do what we do is when we Absolutely. get to do that. And, and yeah. I just, it's my favorite thing. And I, and I love, like, I'll say this, I'm, I'm the kind of person as a speaker, yeah. you know, like when I show up someplace, I don't like to go hide in a hotel room and, yeah. and just be whisked away and whatever. Right. Like my, right. my preference is to be with people. So like when that's I travel awesome. someplace, People are always like, it's weird. Sometimes they're like, hey, is it okay if, if you know, someone's having a dinner? Would you be willing to stop in and say hi? Or would you be willing to stop in and say, and, and talk to our staff? At our I'm like, let's do all that. You oh, know? that is, that is awesome. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the guy. And I've heard this. Some people are like, oh, we had so-and-so come and speak. And as soon as they got done, they were gone. We never saw them again. I'm like, no, I like. I love that. Yeah. There's, 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 and like another one. Let's like hang out, you know, doc. like. To me, yeah. that's what it's about. That's what like the church, when I see the church, like we're, we're in relationship, church. we're in we're fellowship. Family. That's what it's all about. I don't want to miss that by, Absolutely. you know, being whisked off someplace and just being by yourself, sitting in a hotel room or, you know, sitting in a whatever. I want to be, I want to be with people. You know, that's, that's something I'm very excited about. 
That is awesome. Well, speaking of the rosary, it's kind of last thing I want to ask you about is yeah. I saw you lead the daily live stream rosary. And why is the rosary so important to your life and ministry? What's that journey been like growing closer to Mary? Why is she such an anchor for you now? Well, that that started even before I became a Catholic. Um, my my relationship with Mary, she really reached out to me and helped me make that journey. Um, and that's a whole nother long story. But uh, the rosary was something that I... I when I came into the Catholic church, I wasn't sure if I was going to be a rosary person. You know, I wasn't sure if that was going to be my deal, but I decided to do it, start praying it by myself. And when the pandemic hit, um, you know, everything went to, went to vapor, obviously all our plans did, all of our, everything was gone. And I just jumped, jumped on YouTube one day and did a little live stream. And I just said, Hey, how's everybody doing out there? What, what are y'all thinking? You know, what do we need to do? And, and somebody jumped on the live stream. There was just a few people and someone said, Hey, Keith, can we pray the rosary, you know, live on your channel for, you know, the next two weeks. Remember when it was like 14 days to slow the spread, Justin. So I thought, well, I've never led the rosary before, but I'll give it a try. I'll probably mess it up. What are, but it's only, you know, it's only two weeks. That was March 18th, 2020. And we've been doing it every day since every single day. So we're, we're coming up on two years now, and this, this little prayer group, we call it the Rosary Crew, has grown into thousands of people from all over the world every day. There's, there's almost 80 countries worth of people that are a part of this Jeez, thing. Jeez, look what and Mama Mary does. It's, wow. it's absolutely been life transformational, life changing. And for me, it's and my family really too, it's, it's been like, it has, it's the center of everything we do is, is this Rosary live stream. And, um, you know, all the people that we are meeting and interacting with, it's all from that, you know, everywhere we go, it's always been about connecting people through the rosary. And I just, I just can't believe how much it has helped me in my own life my own, my own pursuit of holiness. It's, it's right. changed my life in so many ways. It's, it's, we've seen miracles happen. It's become just the most important thing. So whenever we travel, you know, Anywhere we go, I've got a laptop and I'm on a live stream at somebody's house or in the back of a parking lot or wherever I am. It's like we try to do it at the same time every day, which is 5 p.m. Central on my channel. Mm -hmm. But if I'm somewhere, you know, we'll do it in the morning or whatever. I mean, it's mm -hmm. and now it's on the radio in a couple different places. Oh I mean, it's, and it's it's like the cool thing about this is like none of this stuff that I do. It was ever my idea, which is probably why. That's how you know it's God. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, people will contact me sometimes like, oh, hey, Keith, I'll start a YouTube channel. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to start a podcast. Can you promote this for me? Can you promote that for me? Can you do all these things? For and I'm just like, I don't know how to do any of that stuff because <laughs> I'm just a guy with a story. I'm just a guy with a story. Exactly. Yeah. That is so awesome. Keith. Well, um, would you have time for a few just rapid fire hot takes questions? I got a few. Okay. Hit me, so, brother. All right. What does every Catholic need to know? Every Catholic needs to know that life is best lived in the church, that no matter how bad it gets, yeah. it's never going to be better out there than it is in here. So we have to persevere and stay strong and be the kind of Catholic that we right. wish the world had more Love, of. Be St. Francis of Assisi, reform within. Awesome. Amen. What, what holds Catholics back from evangelizing as much as they should? <laughs> I would say... Their own confidence in their in their in their relationship with Jesus. They okay. don't feel they don't feel mm -hmm. like it's that important to them. Yeah, you um, know what? Okay, because you can't give away what you don't have. A amen. Watch you that gotta house. have it. 
when I was around the Protestants in college, right away, as soon as they knew you had a faith in Christ, they were like, start sharing right away, right away. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't in ministry? Where would that time be going? Oh, I'm sure I would still be doing photography full time. I mean, that would that would be because that's what we were doing, and we and we were we were growing this business, and it was it was starting to like, you know. Well, I love your well. backdrop and everything. It looks awesome. So <laughs> you got good eye for that. Maybe your wife does she help you with all that stuff too? Um, a little bit. She's little she's kind of doing her own thing, but um, <laughs> uh, lighting has always been like my jam. Like I like oh, she's nice. a great she's an incredible natural light portrait photographer. Um. She's she's amazing, and I was always the guy who was like geeking out on all the technology mm -hmm. stuff. Oh, nice! Yeah, right. awesome. Favorite saint, Saint Ignatius of Antioch. There we go. Why? I just I love his boldness in the face of death. You know, he's literally on his way to be eaten by lions, and he's telling people, "Don't try to rescue me. This is what I'm here to do." <laughs> you know, leave me with the lions. Yeah. Uh, favorite book of the Bible. Favorite book of the Bible, Gospel of John. Oh, awesome. And why is that? I just love the way that John begins with yeah. the beginning. Like to me, yeah. I'm always talking about what is our foundation? Where are we starting from? We got to yeah. get on the right track in the very beginning. Because if Break we don't down. start in the right spot, we can get off. And I love that in the beginning was Ooh. the word and the word was with God. The word was God. I love that. Awesome. Well, Keith, thank you're such an inspiration. Thanks oh, thank you, you so do. much, Justin. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah. It's just awesome to hear your story, all that you're doing. So folks out there listening, visit Keith's site for more info. You can find info about his book, his podcast, his YouTube channel, speaking, and more. It's down to, that's the number two, down to earthministry.org. We'll put some links in the show notes. But Keith, you have a blessed Christmas. When we release this, it's going to be our first episode of the new year. So well, happy new year, everybody. Yeah, great way to kickstart the year and get out there evangelizing. So would you mind uh, saying a prayer for us and our listeners to close us out as we begin 2022? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, 2022, Lord, we give our year to you. We want this to be the year that you work within us mightily, that we grow in holiness, that we grow in faith, hope, and in charity, that we reach out to this world with the faith that has been given to us, Lord. May we become people who are unashamed, unafraid, and passionate for our faith, Lord. Work within our hearts, work within our lives to help us to overflow with the love of Christ so that this world can know who you are, Jesus. We thank you so much. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.